Welcome into the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. I am Ethan Skolnick. Before we get to today's episode, if you're looking to buy or sell a vehicle, AutoNation is where you want to go. They're the largest auto retailer from coast to coast, and their friendly and knowledgeable staff here in South Florida will help you save big on a huge selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs, Toyota, Honda, Chevrolet, Mercedes-Benz, and much more. And if you're looking to buy pre-owned, shop AutoNation's huge selection of one-price pre-owned vehicles. They're all clearly marked with one price, their lowest price guaranteed. But here's the biggest thing, whether you want to lease, buy pre-owned, buy a new car, what you've got to do is send me a DM. Just slide into my DMs over at 5 Reason Sports. That's the number 5 Reason Sports. And say you want a new car, you want to lease a car, you want to do something over at AutoNation. You know what we're going to do? We're going to give your information to an AutoNation senior manager to walk you through the entire process. A couple people have done this with us already, and they've really enjoyed it, and they were able to get into a new car. So make sure that you do that. And, of course, you're going to mention 5 Reason Sports when you do it. But send a DM to 5 Reason Sports. I follow all of South Florida. It's not hard to send me a DM or just request access, and I will definitely chat with you there and get you to an AutoNation senior manager. And now, on to today's episode. Welcome to 5 on the Floor a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the 5 Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here with you. And this is episode five of our five-part series leading into training camp, leading into the Jimmy Butler press conference. And what we are going to cover today is the fifth issue for the Heat, which is rebounding. And this is the one place where the Heat probably did not get better this offseason. So we're going to discuss that with Christian Hernandez, who was here with us for episode four about the Heat shooting, and also with my usual co-host, Alphonse Sidney. You can find Christian at I Can Be Your Hero or Hero or whatever. And you can find Alphonse Sidney at Alf954. And Christian was nice enough to send us a spreadsheet on this one as well. And there's one thing that comes across pretty clearly. As much as we mock Tassan Whiteside, as much as we say we won't miss him for anything but talking to fish, we're going to miss him here. How much are they going to miss Tassan Whiteside, Christian? Uh, I mean, the difference between, in terms of a rebounding team, at least. I mean, that, that is by far his, his, his trademark skill let's say is rebounding because he might be the most elite rebounder in the NBA um when the heat had Hassan Whiteside on the court last season they were grabbing 50 rebounds per 100 possessions to give you an idea the team that had the most rebounds per 100 possessions through the whole season last season was the Milwaukee Bucks that had 47.8 so the heat were essentially and you don't like that's it's not a it's kind of frowned upon in the statistics community to kind of use samples like that and compare it to like an entire team. But it kind of goes to show of how good of a rebounding team the Heat were with Hassan on. To, to kind of show you the, the flip side, when he was off the court, the Heat only grabbed about 44 rebounds per 100, which is a drop of six re- rebounds per 100 possessions. That would have put the Heat about 23rd in the NBA. So it's a sizable difference. Um, I just want to say the uh, stats community sounds really sad. Um, <laughs> they're very proper, you know, and if you start <laughs> using things in ways they're not meant to be used, they get upset. And honestly, I get it as like one of the few people seemingly on Twitter that actually understands how the entire theory of statistics is supposed to work. 
man, it can be tiresome at times. Right. You sound really, uh, really self-righteous there. I, I, I took I, a class in college and I was really <laughs> proud about it. It sounds like you, you really, you, you really like yourself, which is cool. <laughs> but yeah, the, no, Hassan White said big on rebounds. As the only stat nerd that has a girlfriend, Christian Hernandez. Anyway, a major um, upset, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so losing Hassan, huge uh, hit when it comes to rebounding. But they weren't necessarily a better defensive team when Hassan was on the floor, right? Or am I am I reading that wrong? Uh, I'm gonna look that up to be 100 percent sure, but I'm pretty sure from my vague memory of last season that that was somewhat true, actually. Um, you know. It's, it's it's kind of like a give and take with Hassan because, like, for example, last season was one of Hassan's most unleashed seasons when it, turned, when it came to his shot selection. Um, you know, what happened? He actually didn't have that great of a shooting season for a big. So, you know, is he going to get a ton of putbacks and he's going to create value in that sense? Absolutely. But you do wonder, you know, where, you know, he, he costs you, you know, in other aspects, you know, from so his, his, his general – Sometimes his, I don't want to say laziness, but he, he's, a, he's a slower guy. He's a big guy. So transition is not friendly to him. Um, you know, and there are times when he's not getting the ball offensively that it can affect other aspects of his game. Um, I do hope that that does not end up being an issue in Portland. It's, I'm actually, I was looking at it earlier. I'm super fascinated by Portland going after Hassan because they were already a top three rebounding team in the league last season. Right. So they it's lost like, their starting center. They did, but I mean, is Nurkic for half the season? Gone, yeah, he's he's not gone for the whole season. I don't. I don't think they. I don't think they got Hassan for the whole season. I think they got Hassan to keep them above water until Nurkic gets back. Which which could be a potential disaster for them when Nurkic comes back and Hassan starts losing minutes. Like I I don't think they've thought this totally through. I, this is a total diversion here, and I want to get back or digression or whatever it is. I want to get back to the topic of rebounding and defense, but. I will ask you both this question. Hassan came out this week and said, uh, Heat fans are paying attention to everything he says, and Hassan says things just sometimes for effect, said this is the most talented team he's ever played on, this team in Portland. Do do you guys agree with that? Because that 15-16 team, it never really came together as we hoped because of Bosch's situation. But I think that team was more talented, wasn't it? I mean, maybe Lillard was better than anybody on that Heat team. Maybe McCollum was too, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think three through seven, you would probably pick the Heat guys, right? I, I guess that's that's where the conversation's interesting. They definitely have the two best players, I think, because I think Lillard is a better player now than Dwayne was back at yes. that time. Yes, and no, I, but, there's no question about that, right? And obviously, considering that you know that they lose Bosch, you know. I think CJ is definitely the second, the next best player out of all those available players. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the depth that the Heat had, I mean, Luol Deng was, was, was huge for them. Um, at that point, they had obviously already acquired Goran Dragic. You know, they were, they were very deep, and, and Dwayne was still kind of hanging on to the prime of his powers. And the, I mean, that's why they, they almost got to the conference finals. Yeah, I mean, Dwayne, Dwayne was really good in those playoffs, at least for the, uh, at least in, 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 single games uh maybe not for the entire series but he had some really big moments um you had luau you had um um i know bosch went out but he was on the team with bosch and that's where i guess the sticking point comes in um he did play at one point with a starting lineup of goran dragic 
Dwayne Wade, Hassan Whiteside, which I thought was actually a better Hassan Whiteside than he is now, Lou Alding, and Chris Bosh. That's the most mm-hmm. talented team he's ever played on. Most now, talented, that, but it didn't. But it didn't work, right? It like, didn't I, work, but it was actually starting to work when they got. By the time that All Star break came, they were four then, games over five hundred at the break. I mean, they, but they that team was playing better. I, I know. I was. I, I traveled. I covered seventy-five games that year. I know. I, but it, the team took off when they got less talented, which is the weird thing about it, right? Like when Bosch went out, what and, and Luol went to the four, and they brought yeah. in Joe Johnson. They played better. Actually. And then even if you bring in, if you talk about Joe Johnson that year, it, so the thing is, but it, put it all to the side. Hassan said what he's supposed to say, right? Like no, you don't he go did. to, he, you don't yeah, go to Portland and just say, oh, this team's pretty good, but man, we were much better in 2015, 16 with the Heat. Like, I just think not, we're sensitive. We're sensitive because we know that Hassan's taking shots. I, I, yeah, I think he, what. What'll exactly. be interesting is when he calls Terry Stotts the best coach he's ever played for, which yeah, is that's, coming, that's which is which soon. is which is coming by the way. And then three weeks later, he'll be upset that he doesn't get the minutes he got. But let let's get back to the rebounding here, because if you don't have Hassan, then obviously what's going to have to happen here, if Bam is going to play thirty to thirty five minutes, is that Bam is going to have to be a better rebounder than he's been, or at least they're going to have to rebound better with Bam on the floor. I guess that would be the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. What do you see his value as a rebounder? How much better can he get there? And I guess the other question, I always ask you three-part questions. Who does he need to play next to? Because they, they have three options, right? Like of three or four options. They've got Olenek. They've got Derek Jones Jr. They've got James Johnson. And they've got maybe a Times Myers Leonard. And maybe even Justice Winslow as a small four, right? So who would be best for him to play next to for this particular category, which is rebounding? I mean, if we're talking about rebounding, um, I think you really have to look at Derek Jones Jr. Um, he is he's a freak. Let's, let's just, like, when it comes to his ability, one, to leap, as we saw, I think that uh, it was like the NBA Twitter account had him as the number one dunk of last season, that crazy one-handed alley-oop that he finished from Bam. But he can obviously leap, but... Derek also has a real sense for tracking balls off the rim. It's kind of, that's, and that's something that's very hard to teach. Like you kind of just have to be able to pick up, you know, when the ball is going to hit the rim and time your jump accordingly. So you can maximize your chance of, you know, grabbing a rebound. He has a real natural talent for that. And considering that his shot is definitely not there. um, He's definitely going to be finding ways to contribute like he did last season. One of the ways that he did was on the offensive glass. He was an absolute nightmare on the offensive glass. Uh, And I had a chance to, as I was obviously doing a little research because I like to prepare Alf. And, you know, I I saw that when Whiteside and Derek Jones Jr. were on the court last season, it was not a a huge sample, about 160 minutes or so, but the Heat would have been equivalent of a top seven rebounding team, you know, with the amount that they rebounded with those two on the court. They haven't, those two guys give you enough size and athleticism where if, for example, you know, one of the great things about Bam is his switchability and how can, he can go out and guard in the perimeter. If he's away from the basket, you need to have people behind him who are going to pick up the slack. And you, there's very few guys that aren't a center that are going to be better than Derek Jones Jr. And I, I guess what I, what I look at with this team, and of course this is not the big three heat, but the big three heat never had an elite rebounder. Even Chris Bosh, who was a double-digit rebounder before he came to Miami, actually regressed as a rebounder. Um, but what they did, and I don't know, can the Heat do this? Can the Heat with 
uh, Jimmy Butler, who's probably a plus rebounder at the small forward position. Justice Winslow, who's definitely a plus rebounder at the point guard position. Can they do some of the things that LeBron James and Dwayne Wade did to kind of make up for the fact that, no, the Heat did not have that inside presence that was going to pull down 14, 15 rebounds a game? I mean, absolutely. Do you know what's super fun? And I, I don't, I'm not sure if anybody's really put that out there for people to kind of like massage it, but the Heat, and again, these fun lineups, Spolster tends to avoid them, I, I find, but he could theoretically throw out Justice Winslow, Jimmy Butler, James Johnson, Derek Jones Jr., and Bam Adebayo at the same time. Good luck scoring on that. Have a good time. <laughs> Jesus. There's, uh, Justice is the smallest guy on that line, in that lineup. Right, exactly. At think six about foot that. Seven. It's, well, I think he's really more like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, but still. Yeah, uh, but like, listed. Like a built 6'6 six six guy is your best shot at abusing somebody with size. A guy who the Heat were playing in the playoffs his rookie season at the power forward and center position. Right. Yeah, good luck taking him in the post. You're, it's not a good yeah. idea. So, so how much do those two things play together? Because I don't think we'll ever see that lineup because I agree with you. I don't think Spo will go quite that diabolical. But, like, how do those two things play together? Because we agreed on the last podcast, we talked about shooting. We, we all agreed that this is not necessarily going to be a top 10 offensive team, but we think it could be a top five defensive team potentially but if it's going to be a top five defensive team they have to finish possessions right I mean they, they got to get the ball off the rim like if they don't get the ball off the rim then obviously possessions you know the other team gets more possessions or more opportunities and then you also don't get out and run and get the easy ones that I think this team is going to need as they're finding themselves offensively and they do have a bunch of guys who are good in transition. Derek Jones Jr., Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic. Okay, I think Tyler Harrow's got a chance to be good in transition. Jimmy's good in transition. I mean, they have five or six guys that to be good in transition. Are they going to be able to finish possessions? I think as an offensive rebounding team, they're going to be pretty good. But are they going to be able to finish the possession by boxing out and getting a rebound? Or do they need – does it even help them to play Kelly more with Bam, which has been a, a positive combination for them the past couple of years? gives them more size, but not necessarily the athleticism that they would get with Derek Jones Jr. or somebody else at that spot. Yeah, I mean, well, one of the biggest things that, that has really hurt the Heat in the last few seasons, especially compared to when you really compare them to the big three teams, and obviously it's, it's hard to really compare any teams to, to that team or to those set of teams, but one of the things that the Heat really don't do as well these days is turn the ball over, is – force opponents to make live ball turnovers so that you can get into those advantageous transition opportunities. Why that's been of late, uh, you know, it's, I'm not going to really speculate, um, but you would think now having the ability to have so many athletic, capable, you know, long athletes on the court, that that will lead to more opportunities. To me, I think how good this Heat team can be hinges on how much they can take advantage of transition. They have young guys, young athletic guys that are ready to run and ready to leap. And you have a guy in Jimmy Butler who has shown a historical knack for being very effective in transition. So I'm hoping that he will kind of take over Dwayne, the mantle that Dwayne left. And Dwayne, obviously, towards the end of his career, he was more content to kind of just you know, stomp on the ball and let things set up and, and run the offense you know, in a more half-court set. So I do hope that Jimmy still has that urge to run when he comes here. You know, obviously he's, he's, he's only, a, he's what, 30? Like he's, 
he's still very much in his prime. So I do 30, hope that- 38 in Tibbs years, but I, but I don't know that, I, but Christian, I, I do think he'll still be effective in that sense. I, I guess the, the biggest thing that I come, come to here is, you know, will these guys want to run? Because Eric always talks about this. You see Eric on the sideline, you know, with a windmill, right. Trying to get guys to run, trying to get guys to run, trying to get, and he always talks about it. Players say they want to run until, they have a chance to run <laughs> and then they don't want to run anymore. Now I would think these young guys would actually be into that. Um, but you never know. And I don't know that Goran wants to push anymore. Uh, you know, that was his big thing the first couple of years and he's kind of indicated that he's okay playing in the half court now. Uh, but so it's going to have to be justice. A lot of times I think pushing the tempo there, but they got to get the ball off the rim. And I do think we're going to see the inversion again that we saw before. And, you know, Alf hit on it the LeBron-Dwayne inversion, right? It was LeBron and Dwayne who were their best defensive rebounders. And they were the guys who got the ball and they went. Okay, maybe they mm-hmm. gave it to Rio sometimes and yelled at him, but they went. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily Bosch. It wasn't Ilgalskis or McGlore or Dampier mm-hmm. or Turioff or any of the variety of stiffs that they had at the center position. It was LeBron and Dwayne going back and getting the ball. And that's going to have to be Jimmy and Justice, I think. And I think it has an opportunity to be that. We'll close this here in a second, but want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That is Magic City Casino. You got to check out the high if you never watched Highlight. It's a great Miami-based sport, actually, and you can see it at one of the places uh, that it's been at historically, and that's Magic City Casino. But the high is more than just Highlight, which you can bet on. It's also a nightclub. You can go there, get some drinks, get some food, watch the games, also watch the Highlight. They've got indoor lawn games. I mean, it's right there in Miami and you can get to just about anywhere you want to go. So go check it out for a couple hours and then you can go to Wynwood, you can go to South Beach and go up to Las Olas or any of the great places in South Florida. So check it out. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, How would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Out the high at Magic City casino all right last uh part of this and I'll, I'll go to both of you guys on this we've talked about defense and defense goes with rebounding the other place that they're going to miss Hassan though is as a shot blocker Bam I think we all agree is a better all-around defender than Hassan and will become even more so over the next few years but he doesn't give you that rim protection and I don't know who else on this team does if they're not going to be a great rebounding team can't, can't, is it all going to be on the perimeter guys, Christian, to be able to keep players out of the lane? And we know with Goran, it's a little difficult for him these days. For Harrow, it might be a little bit difficult. You figure, you know, Justice, 
Uh, Derek Jones Jr. became a better defender last year, and Jimmy, that they might be able to handle it. But how are they going to be able to sort of handle players at the rim unless Bam becomes an elite shot blocker like Hassan was? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you do hope that your perimeter guys kind of hold. I mean, we're, we're going to really see very early what kind of a vision the Heat have for this roster. Are they going to play Jimmy as a three? Are they going to play him as a two? Because honestly, I think if you can play him more as a two and you just kind of, I, I've been, I've been calling for this team to size up for a few years now and Spolstra for the most part has shied away from it. While I think there are reasons for that, you know, you, you have Gordon Dragic who you want to play up as value of James Johnson. You want to, I mean, James Johnson fits sizing up, so that's not, but you still, you know, you end up, making these lineup contortions because you're trying to play certain guys to show their value. It's well, I think that's a bigger reason why, you know, you still got a lot of Hassan Whiteside last season, even though you saw what Bam was starting to become to be. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about rim protection. Rim protection. Right. I mean, Bam, he, I, I, that's, I'm sorry. That's what I got sidetracked. We've come like, to the end of our five parts. I was, I, I was, I was looking Thank this up. Hold on. No, 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 no. Hold on. I want to get this out. Damn. <laughs> Damn. No, All right, was, team five, our exit. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> Hold on. I was, I was, can, can we, up. can we, can we, can we spill that here on the podcast? Yeah, that, that will be more interesting to me. I mean, if, you, if, if, if people don't know Miami heat beat was under the five reasons umbrella, uh, you know, we, we sort of parted ways amicably. Um, the, those guys went to Blue Wire Pods. I stole Alf and Alex Toledo. They still do some work for Heatbeat. Everything's cool. I had, I had lunch with Johnny the other day. We actually split the bill. Uh, a lot of these guys, including Christian, I'm hoping, are going to be doing some writing and some other stuff for us uh, over the course of the season. So everything is cool. But for some reason, Christian had a handle here. When you go to Zoom, when you're doing these podcasts, he had his handle, and it was Team 5R Exit. Now, I've noticed over the course of this podcast, you thought we wouldn't notice, it has been changed to Team 5R for Life! Exclamation point. Christian Boris Johnson. Okay, okay just to give my personal perspective, okay, and I, I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm not really trying to say what Gianni or Brian were thinking, but the entire time in that process, when we got the offer from blue wire, I told them I was a hundred percent behind whatever they wanted to do. And at that point, I'm pretty sure they were already leaning towards it. So I was just being supportive. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that. that is straight up hilarious. I had no, I, I guess, you know, I've used zoom probably like at least five or 10 times since then, but I never actually look at those little like, the little names. <laughs> so I guess I just never noticed. Ethan, yeah, I, I, as soon Ethan, as I saw in, it, I took a snapshot of it and sent it to Alf. I texted him on a separate in, string. Yes. In my defense, I, that was the call that I missed. <laughs> yeah, it was the call that you well, Nakaya's missed it too, but that's all right. Yeah. Every, like I said, it's all one big happy family again. Now back to rib protection. I'm sorry, okay, I had to anyways, share that with the audience. But thank you for that diversion because I was actually able to find these numbers. Okay, to, to your point, you know, Hassan was – he was the actually he was the highest ranked uh, rim protector when it comes to the difference in terms of the field goal percentage that the player actually scores going against Hassan compared to what they're expected to do. Players shot 13% worse at the rim when Hassan was contesting than they normally would. That was the best in the NBA. So is is Bam going to give you that kind of rim protection? Absolutely not. But the good thing is that Bam actually did make strides last season in his you know 
and that's the other thing. His the amount of uh, attempts that he was protecting at the rim was much lower than Hassan, which kind of shows that he doesn't just lurk around the rim as much as Hassan does. He's a very different kind of defender. But even in the plays that he did defend around the rim, he was holding opponents to six percent below what they were expected to shoot. So he was still an effective rim protector. He's just not there with the same volume that Hassan. Well, you know, and that's what I think sometimes rim protection, and this is why defensive stats are misleading, right? Because shot blocking to me does not, yes, it it implies rim protection, but that also means somebody got to the rim. Um, And I think what you you see with some of the numbers with Bam is the team plays a better defensive game when Bam is is in the game. Not to say that they were a really good defense with Hassan, but... Bam brings enough offensively to the table that it doesn't hurt as badly on the defensive end. And Bam is a really good defender. And now you have a step up in Jimmy on the perimeter. So, yeah, they don't have the elite rim protection. But you know who never had elite rim protection either? The big three heat. Yep. So it's because you have, when you have better Dwayne perimeter, was the best shot blocker, right? And, and when you, 100%. And yeah. when you have guys like Joel Anthony on that team who, could, who defended all over the court mm-hmm. – you know, sagging back like Hassan and protecting the rim wasn't as necessary. So I think some of those things are a little bit misleading. Rim protection is great, but no, it's better not letting anyone near the damn rim. And I think you're going to see a lot of that with this team. I don't think a lot of guys are blowing past Jimmy Justice or uh, Derek Jones Jr. or any of these guys in the perimeter. I, mean, I think you're going to see uh, a lot of mid-range jump shots against this team. Man, I, I'm going to just real quick before we go. I'm really excited for Derek Jones Jr. this season. I Me think too. he has the real opportunity to establish himself as an elite defender in this league, especially now that there will be national attention on the team. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, we haven't – you know, it's funny, Alf. We've gone through all these episodes, and I feel like we've talked about him less than any of the other rotation players, and I'm not really sure why, except that I don't really know where to put him. Right? Like, I, I think that's – is that because uh, we haven't talked about KZ Akpala too, because we haven't seen him, right? I mean, he, was, he couldn't really, by the time that he was eligible to play in summer league, he didn't play. I was out there in part in Vegas to watch him and, and didn't get a chance to. But I just think that uh, Derek Jones Jr., it's, it's weird because we, we had all these conversations about the backcourt, who's the two and who's the point guard and who plays the four, which could be Derek Jones Jr. in a lot of situations. But I'm with Christian here. Like, if you look at the progress, like when he came from Phoenix, he talked about wanting to defend, but a lot of guys talk about that and then mm-hmm. get to the heat system and don't buy in. Right. And he's bought in completely and he has the tools to do it. So guys I understand like, why they, and they didn't want to give him up to Dallas. That's what all that was about, right? Like they didn't want to give him up. So they have plans for him. And they consider him like a first round pick. And No, and, they've and, talked about and, it. Well, and, I, people I make, and people make fun of that and they joke about that, but. No, um, they're right. No, if you, redra- right. if you redraft that draft, he, he'd probably go 15th. Like, I, he's, he's, he's a mid-first-round pick, but I don't know where to put him. But I feel in some ways, and Christian, tell me if I'm wrong about this, I feel in some ways like we've had this, all these conversations about them talking about Justice Winslow as a Swiss, Swiss Army knife, right? Like, and Justice doesn't want to be that. He wants to be a point guard. It's a little bit like Mika Fitzpatrick, to be honest. Like, Mika Fitzpatrick. Swiss Army knife. Well, he really just wanted to play one spot, right? Um, I feel like Derek Jones Jr. becomes the Swiss Army knife this year. Like, if they're going to actually plant Justice in one position and let him go, then it's Derek Jones Jr. who maybe, you know, is guarding a two, or Derek Jones Jr. who's playing the four next to Bam, or maybe playing his natural position. I feel like he'll be all over the place. I think you'll see a ton of that. I think this whole team, you're going to see 
you're going to see guys switching all day long just because they have that versatility. Um, and just like – and I hope uh, Spose plays some of those lineups that Christian was talking about where you have five guys, six, seven, and up out there, and all the guys who can all guard five positions because that's going to be super exciting. And the thing with Derrick Jones Jr. is like, yeah, like you said, we don't know where to put him. But that's one of the, the – with this team, the question mark to me is – how good is that bench, that second unit, going to be? And if, with guys like Derek Jones Jr. taking another step, J, uh, James Johnson healthy, Deion Waiters healthy, Goran Dragic, like, I think it could be such a potent, potent second unit, and I think that's where Derek Jones Jr. is going to shine. I don't know if he's ever going to start. Um, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But whether starting or not, I, th- I, I think you guys are right. I think he has a huge opportunity this year. Like you said, especially – if justice is taken out of that Swiss army knife roll. So uh, one thing that I, I guess it's not really defense related, but I kind of wanted to just bring up real quick before we finish is I, I think the one thing that we're, we're all in agreement that Jimmy Butler is going to fill holes that have been very much needed by this team from isolation play to clutch play to really just having a go-to guy. Uh, obviously now that Dwayne's gone, but how much do you think he's going to take the reins? Like, I think that's going to be one of the biggest questions to this season too. Is he going to be a 20 field goal attempt per night guy? Is he going to be that kind of volume or is he going to be more like 15 field goal attempts a game, doing a lot of distribution, getting the younger guys and helping them grow. It's going to be fun to see which one that is. I think he's going to be LeBron light in a lot of ways. I, I, I think that his makeup, uh, there's some LeBron in there. I, I think that, he doesn't have you know, quite the skill set that LeBron has in a lot of areas, but whereas LeBron might have been a 9.5 out of 10 in a lot of areas, Jimmy's an 8. And, and I, I feel like we're going to see a lot of that develop. I think he's going to take a lot of Dwayne's responsibilities in terms of setting guys up with lobs. I, I do think his usage rate will probably go up from where it's been historically. Uh, to me, the most encouraging thing about Jimmy has been what I've seen off the court so far. You know, him embracing the young guys. You know, when I, I did the podcast with Bam and he says – Jimmy reached out to him on his birthday. They hadn't had a conversation before. You know, the photos he's taking with Justice, working out with Tyler Harrow. I think it's very telling the players that he's been associating with. Mm -hmm. It's a clear message to me, like, I'm going to take the reins with these guys for the future. You know, you don't see him, you know, and I know Dion has been with other people, but you don't see him so much with Dion or James Johnson or, or others. It's, it's the core three that we're talking about. And I'm sure there'll be a relationship there with Derek Jones Jr. too. And that's where I see this thing going. But to close the episode, since we have you here, and maybe if Alex is still here, he wants to jump on since he did uh, a couple of the episodes with us as well. Uh, Alf and I have both kind of said, I think I've talked Alf into this, that I see this as a potential three seed in the Eastern Conference. I, I think they're between three and five depending on how things break. I think they could be in the high 40s. I think they're going to be a lot better than people think because to me, when you give Spo an uncluttered roster with hungry guys who want to defend, that's the kind of roster he likes to coach. It's not what he's had the past couple seasons. He's got a lot of motivated players on the team for a lot of different reasons. I think they win between 46 and 48 games. That's where I have them. I think I've kind of talked Alf into it over a period of time. I'll go to Christian first. If, Alf, if Alex is on here too, he can hit, he can hit this topic also. Just looking at them going into training camp, where are they? What do you see? Um, you know, obviously you don't want to be like too homery, but I, I think the Eastern Conference is still riddled with a lot of kind of middle-of-the-road teams. Um, 
I think there's two teams that, to me, are the most interesting coming into this into this new season, especially relative to where the Heat will be in the standings, and that's the Celtics and the Raptors. Because I think both of those teams could theoretically be better than the Heat, but I think there's also arguments where they could be worse than the Heat, especially I'm looking at Toronto, and you know how decisive and swift of a GM that Masai Ujiri is. And I, if, they, if things don't break right in the beginning of that season, I wouldn't be surprised if he considers just blowing it all up and starting over. So, you know, maybe outside of keeping, you know, Um, But, yeah, I, and the Celtics, I just – I don't think they got better. I think they got worse. I think they got a fair amount worse. And if Jason Tatum doesn't take a star mm-hmm. leap, I just don't see it. I, I can see the Heat being a, the, a four seed, three or four, honestly. It and Indiana, on, Indiana, you don't. I mean, you don't know. I don't, Oladip, you don't know when Oladipo is getting back, and you don't know how effective he's going to be when he is. Uh, I really I, love Malcolm Brogdon. I thought that mm-hmm. was a great add to replace Bogdanovich. But without Oladipo, I mean, uh, people are uh, that team could miss the the playoffs. Who's going to score for that team? That that's what? my thing. Like Bogdanovich saved them on a lot of nights last year. I I don't know how they score. And I look oh, at Jeremy Lamb, of course. Yes, Jeremy Lamb. Thank you, Alex. Has heard He's the there. other guy they added. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But but it's I just don't know how they're going to score, and I still don't think their front court fits. Um, so I, I don't I don't see it. Alex, uh, you've done a couple of these episodes with us. Uh, where do you see them? So I've been saying since the Jimmy acquisition that I think they're right in that tier of teams as Boston, Brooklyn, Indiana, uh, Toronto, the ones you guys have been talking about. I think if things bear well, they could definitely finish out as a, a third or fourth seat. But like Christian was saying. Uh, it's going to be tough to imagine Boston being that good when their front court rotation is like Ennis Cantor and the rookie Grant Williams and Daniel Tice. Uh, I think their defense is going to get worse, which was their biggest strength last season. Uh, I think Brooklyn should be good even without KD. Uh, how good they are, you know, it depends on Kyrie. But yeah, I think he could finish right there around 46 wins. And Alf, uh, we'll close here. So looking at the other teams we haven't mentioned, which of these teams do you think could actually get up and surprise? Because Indiana was not expected to do what they've done in the past couple. I mean, when, when Oladipo showed up, Paul George left. Like, nobody thought they would be a top-four seed. So I'll give you some teams. Detroit, Atlanta, Orlando. Any of those see, teams have a chance to get in the top five, you think? I could see um, if anybody would have to – Jesus. Maybe Atlanta. Uh, I think they're another year away. Um I like I, Orlando, I, honestly. I don't. I don't like Orlando. I think all those guys got paid. They they, they look like that thirty and eleven Heat team. They were super healthy last year too, right? They had that ridiculous stat about their, like their top six guys like hardly missed the game. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I, I see them regressing. Straight years. I don't. I don't, know. I, I don't I, believe I, in Detroit. I'm not um, convinced Markel Fultz has broken goods. I oh, I agree. We'll I agree with you on that. I, I would have taken a flyer on him. I, I think there's a real opportunity, but I just look at their, their health last year. Everybody was healthy. Fournier was healthy. Vucevic was healthy. Gordon was healthy. That doesn't Man. really happen. I, I, I look at it. I, I think Atlanta may make a huge jump. I, I think they're well coached and I think Trey Young's a star. Like that, what about Brooklyn? Where are we, where, where are we putting Brooklyn? Is Durant going to play? Because there's that's, rumors that's he's going to play. That's the thing. You could make a real argument that Brooklyn got worse for the regular season next season. Right. They just got to make it. 
and it's and like I, now you're really counting on Kyrie to be the leader, and we already kind of saw that that didn't <laughs> that really work. go great. So yeah. I don't know. And, and is he going to play seventy games? I mean, that's the other thing. Is he going to yeah. play seventy games? I, they they did lose Levert for part of last season. They overcame but that. You know, they, they lost. D'Angelo Russell was huge for them, and if. If Kyrie's right. a replacement, he's not going to play 82 games. But that's the thing, right? Uh, so I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. So I think all of us kind of have the heat sort of in that three to five mix. All right, check out future episodes of Five on the Floor. Obviously, check out our sponsors, Seltzer Mayberg, Law Firm, Magic City Casino, BetDSI.com, and all the others. If you want to advertise with us, reach out to me at Five Reason Sports. Check out FiveReasonSports.com. I think all four of us are actually going to be writing on there. And we will be at Media Day. We'll, we will be at training camp. And we're holding an event up in West Palm on Thursday the 3rd. So more information on that on 5 Reasons Sports. Thanks for joining us. And our next episode from the Jimmy Butler Press Conference. Talk soon.